Hi, welcome to another episode of Paul Don Power, Power System Design's podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Paul, and today I've got Chris Artis. Uh, he's a friend of the show and from Maxim Integrated, and we're going to talk about, oh, the smart grid and uh, in particular smart metering and, well, the whole aspect of staying on top of your energy management, right, Chris, because uh, you need to know what you're using. Welcome to the show, by the way. Oh, thanks, Alex. And you're absolutely right. Um, understanding what you're using is uh, I, certainly is of keen interest to utilities, and that's where they make their money. But we're seeing it, of course, be more and more implemented in plenty of other spaces, building submetering, uh, things like that, where you know, businesses have seen that knowing where their energy is going, making smarter decisions can really help them to, uh, help them to, to make wiser decisions with their money, their power resources. Right. Well, this whole aspect of submetering has really exploded because, as you pointed out, you really have to know what's going on, and it doesn't help if all you've got is one big dial at the front of the building that tells you within a kilowatt hour how much power is being used on the entire facility. Yeah, it's absolutely true. You, you kind of think about, uh, you know, we can all think about our credit card statements. You might have a few hundred dollars in credit card statements, but if you didn't have that detail behind it, you wouldn't really have an idea of how to you know, how to uh, to go and diagnose, man, I'm spending too much on gas or I'm spending too much on food. Luckily, the credit card guys give you that data, but that's exactly the problem you've got with powers. You don't really have much data behind that to say, you know what, I'm spending too much on lighting, I'm spending too much on air conditioning, those types of things. Well, you know, and, and, and it even gets to the point where it could get to almost a comical troubleshooting level because I've heard of many cases where facilities, old legacy facilities, once they've done the modernization, they realize that they were wasting 10% of their power because there was a bad ground on one of the pieces of equipment in the back of the shop. Yeah, and without, without at least one level deeper of data, you're never, ever going to find that problem. Otherwise, you, efficiency is really a game of bring me a rock. Um, no, not that rock, the other <laughs> rock, right? And so, exactly. so you get that at least one level deeper. You're not going to really know where to start sniffing. Now, how, so now, now that we're talking levels, what, what are you seeing as the practical number of, number of levels in a modern microgrid, let's say a facility, a, a, a campus, uh, industrial plant? How many layers of granularity do you feel now are useful within a microgrid uh, sub-metering situation? You know, I think it's really going to vary depending on, on who's asking and who's looking. Uh, I could see in kind of light commercial or, or even residential applications where just, you know, just one level deeper. Just, you know, tell me how much my, my HVAC is consuming. Tell me how much my, my pool pump or, or you know, my, my general lighting is consuming. That's, that's going to be good enough data for me, and that could easily be done even someplace like the circuit panel uh, if you don't want to go and install smart plugs all over your house. Um, mm -hmm. it, that's probably fine for, for lower consumers, but I think what you see in things like you know, bigger buildings, you might want a couple more levels of detail. You might want to be able to say lighting by floor or HVAC by floor, something like that. And, and in your really heavy-hitting heavy industrial-type settings, I, I think you, uh, it, it, it's almost infinite how far you could go down um, to understand what part of the factory is consuming more. Okay, dig down one more level, which machine is it on the line? So I could see there easily get to two or three levels deep and, and still thirsting for more information. Right. And on a more diabolical level, I hate to give people in the audience ideas, but those companies that individually build departments for uh, project usage, they can actually start billing them for energy if you think about it. Oh, yeah, certainly. <laughs> that's, uh, that's absolutely true. 
you know, you could say, hey, well, okay, I can see, I can see the, the fees for, you know, the building and heat and all this other, but I never had to worry about my electrical. And then, so now Mr. Business Guy can go down to his lower level subordinates and say, I can watch what your energy consumption is. And you're absolutely right. It's going to take a phenomenal amount. It'll, it'll create a phenomenal amount of efficiency in the system because the moment you have scrutiny, everybody starts scrambling to tighten it up, right? Uh, absolutely. You know, I, you, you can kind of see, uh, you know, sub metering is already a good example of that. Let you just take a simple example of a strip mall. You've got 20 vendors in that shop. Are they, should they really all share an equal, an, an equal pie of what that shopping center is, is, uh, is consuming, or should they actually split it up fairly? You know, apartment buildings have a pretty similar problem where they want to, you know, should they, everybody pay the same amount, or do you actually want a reward for good behavior and penalize for bad behavior? So, you know, kind of what we're talking about here is what's the next level? Does the data center guy next charge you more because your website gets more hits and generates more power or pull more power requirements, I should say? Right, right. And and there you go. So we've got this need for the submetering. We've got the uh, requirements out there for uh, operation. It has to be, be reliable. It has to work within a certain level of functionality. It can't take too much. The, the equipment itself can't take it because in France, for example, if you draw, if your meter draw, draws more than two watts, you have to pay a fine. Yeah, you, we are seeing uh, certainly the utilities start to lay down requirements in terms of the power consumptions of of the uh, of the billing meters themselves. Um, you know, they, they've got to worry, for example, in France, they've got to worry about 35 million meters. So 35 million times, you know, times any kind of wattage is, is going to end up being some significant money at the end of the day. Exactly. you literally got a plant or two sitting there kicking along just to make sure the meters are spinning. Yeah, uh, yeah that's not necessarily the good use of that plant either. No, it isn't. So now let's move a little bit closer into home then. What are you guys and gals at uh, Maxim Integrated doing to help address this? And so we recently released a product uh, that we call the Zon M3 uh, um, measurement uh, system on chip. And so that's a Z-O-N uh, space M3 for, uh, for those of you following along at home. Sounds like, a, is, sounds like a British, sounds like a limited uh, slip uh, British supercar. Uh, you know, that wasn't the inspiration, but I'll go with that. <laughs> um, it is kind of a supercar type of a type of a chip. So what we identified in the market um, is kind of we we saw this gap uh, that that this product could go fill. So you know, we, in let's take a step back to the utility metering space. You've got smart meters like we're deploying here in the U.S. and like are, are on the verge someday of of being deployed in Europe. That that they need big ARM Cortex M3 M4 processors running at tens of megahertz, tons of memory, and thus tons of power consumption going back to that 2-watt number you talked about. And those have got to do pretty complex jobs. They've got operating systems to manage. They've got IPv6 stacks to run. they got to talk to Zigbee. they got to talk to all kinds of things. Um, so those are pretty big, beefy, uh, beefy platforms. On the other end, you've got meters like we see deployed in India and maybe rest of Asia-type places that's you know, an 8-bit, maybe a 16-bit micro with a little bit of analog and a little bit of code space kind of gets the job done. We're seeing uh, a couple things happen. We're seeing that the that lower end of the market is actually becoming a little bit more demanding in terms of uh, MIPS and memory size and processing power, but still nowhere near what that high-end uh, Cortex M3 M4 type application requires. And we're also seeing you know more and more interest from from submetering guys who want to be able to actually add some of their secret sauce on top of the measurement data that our chip would provide, and maybe look at things like like harmonics. Try to figure out, okay, what kinds of things are running underneath this meter 
and maybe you know figure out if some of them are getting out of whack. Maybe a motor is getting out of whack, and you see a certain spike in one of your harmonics. So secret mm-hmm. that they add on top of the measurements we provide. And so what we've come out with is actually a 32-bit chip um, that kind of fills that niche. It's got you know more memory than those lower-end chips, but not quite so much as the, as the high end. It's certainly still low power consuming, so it's going to not even touch that two watt. Uh, number that you you tossed out that earlier, right, um, right. Performance boost, you know, it's got better dynamic range, more, uh, uh, you know, better sampling rate, so you can actually look at interesting harmonics. So it's really a nice tool for people to go tackle this kind of emerging, you know, more powerful solid state market as well as as uh, as the submeter market, which we of course see a lot uh, more growth in these days. There you go. So now, Chris, <clears throat> uh, the other side of that coin is what type of uh, app spaces, but also the type of engineers involved in those spaces, I imagine you probably encounter a a relatively wide palette of experience levels with the type of technology you're deploying. What kind of support do you offer the engineers to understand and implement that stuff? Yeah, so certainly we do see a a very wide range. We see guys who are comfortable with laying out boards and maybe a little bit of assembly coding, and uh, those are the hardcore metrology guys who know how to make stuff measure. And then you see guys who don't know anything about that because they are network guys, and they know how to look at IPv6 packets and figure out what's wrong. So Mm -hmm. it's a pretty wide range of guys we got to support. Um, what we do uh, is you know, we'll do things like build reference designs that show from a hardware perspective how to not only how to hook things up but how to get your layout right so that you you get the highest quality measurement. Um, you know how to you know, how to use the right kinds of components so your your system isn't overburdened from a cost perspective. How to pass certifications on accuracy and emissions and things like that. So yeah, we we cover the hardware side. We also cover the software side with things like uh, demo codes. Um, you know that that show here's how you know basically a, a meter works. Here's how you manage the LCD. Here's how you talk to the real time clock. All these peripherals that we work into these parts. So then it becomes really more of a job of the software engineers at at the at the metering uh, manufacturer designer to take that and say, okay, well here's what I've got to do for Belgium or for Mexico or for whoever I'm designing a meter for. They take that starting point and they they tweak it for their particular needs. So. You know, we provide a package that uh, that kind of runs the whole, you know, all the way from the uh, from the PCB up to the uh, up to the networking code. Excellent, excellent, Chris. Now, um, are there any other aspects of the system? What kind of uh, roadmap are you looking at? Uh, any other tips you or information about the uh, product or the coming product family that you wanted to mention before we? Um, close out because I didn't want to get on to giving you a chance to give me last words, but I didn't want to make you waste them on talking more about the product. Thanks, Alex. So, uh, yeah, this is certainly not a a, a one-shot product. This is uh, actually the first in a a family of products that we'll be releasing, and uh, I think uh, it will certainly be welcome to, uh, to talk to interested customers about that roadmap. Uh, but suffice to say that that roadmap is going to allow customers to tackle a wide variety of applications and uh, and and reuse uh, a large common set of both hard- hardware and software design work that they've already put into this product. Well, excellent, and I'm, and I'm really glad that um, you guys and gals out there are coming out with these new solutions because, as you point out, these are all uh, relatively new needs and as we keep moving towards a more intelligent smart grid, we're going to have more sophisticated needs as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think uh, as the the grid gets smarter and, and as you said, as it expands into other needs, things like utility-driven smart plugs, things like smarter buildings, it's going to become even more important to have you know a a 
powerful but right-sized platform uh, to tackle you know everything from that smart plug up to a, a pretty um, pretty highly functional submeter that can you know diagnose harmonics in an industrial environment. You know the more that I can allow engineers to to port code from one of those systems to another. And I'll obviously support the uh, the core measurement functions, um, uh, you know, with with the IP that we've got. Uh, we, uh, yeah, I think we uh, we allow our customers to just tackle more things more quickly, so they can go chase new applications. They can go find the new tangential smart grid stuff, get out there, uh, you know, and when the products are actually needed. There you go, and I agree with you completely, Chris. So as I said, I always give my guests the opportunity to have the last word. Uh, what tips, advice, um, viewpoint, would you like to leave our audience with before we close out the episode, Chris? Yeah, so I think I would say that uh, you know, for, for people launching into new designs is, uh, is, is to certainly look at the not, not just the product, but the product uh, family and roadmap and, uh, and think about you know, the, the types of things they could be doing in the future. You know, certainly you want, a, you want a product that's optimized for what you want to do. But you also kind of want to worry about what's the next project, what's the next project. I know we're all very short-term focused in this uh, in this modern you know, Wall Street-driven age. Um, <clears throat> but you know, I, I think what we've done here with our products is, is found an, a right blend of a, a bomb-effective product and a, a good, diverse roadmap that will help people uh, to very quickly go from their current application to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. Excellent. Well, and and and. Well, what can I what can I say on top of that? That was actually a very good uh, statement there, Chris. The key here, I think, is is we all just have to keep our eyes open as we move forward because there will always be opportunities as well as challenges, and most of those challenges are really opportunities hidden. Uh, absolutely. So if we didn't have challenges, I'm not sure what we'd all be doing here. <laughs> this is also true. So, hey, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show, especially with what's going on in the space. It's always nice to keep an eye on what's going on with the new products as well. Uh, absolutely. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate the uh, time. Oh, the pleasure's mine. And I'd like to thank everyone in the audience for taking the time to be with us today. We wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Paul Tom Power. Have a great day.